Hi, hello, and how are you, all my beautiful strangers and savages alike out there in podcast land? This is Rue, the voice of iPoke, the armchair latest podcast in which you're about to take oh, take part of, and um, you'll excuse my lackadaisical sound of my voice. This is the fourth time I've recorded this episode of the Quentin Tarantino saga um, due to technical difficulties. Fifth time now. <laughs> Just had another technical difficulty, so yeah. Um, in order to keep things in order, and keep things rolling and on schedule, I'm going to mix episodes two and three together of the Glenn Tarantino saga, brought to you by the Confessions of a Cinephile, 1001 movies that you must learn about and or see before you perish. Uh, brought to you by iPoke, the Armchair Elitist Podcast. There has been a lot of improvisation, excuse me, impromptu action. Um, Improvising, adapting, and overcoming as far as technical difficulties and other assorted problems. But here we go. Um, Wow. First, um, the news that I normally start with, I'm just going to actually go ahead and cancel that for this time. The only news out there is that uh, Floyd Mayweather's had a fight that many speculate was a fixed exhibition. It was a three-minute, uh, three-round boxing exhibition against uh, an undefeated fighter in Japan. And long story short, it looked, it reminded me of the uh, Muhammad Ali and um, I can't remember his name for the life of me. He is a Japanese professional wrestling legend. Nonetheless, it was fixed as shit, and it was very obvious. But um, that's really the only news you're missing besides UFC ter- uh, 232, Jones versus Gustafson. Uh, Jones defeated um, Gustafson via TKO round three, um, ground and pound from the mount. Um, the controversy leading up to that week, as I covered many times in the episode that I'm recording now, he was caught with a pictogram of trainer ball in the system, but they say that it was just um, remainders from his 2017 suspension, um, and it was just the remaining half-life's effects showing up, which, if you know anything about science, that is literally impossible, so he was basically allowed to fight while dirty. Um, he won, along with Amanda Nunes becoming a two-way world champion, knocking out Chris Cyborg in the first round within 51 seconds. That was incredible. Um, BJ Penn got submitted with a rolling heel hook that was absolutely insane Ryan Hall I believe the guy's name was uh, Chad Mendes retired from MMA after his performance uh, he lost via TKO due to basically quitting from fatigue um, it looked like a body shot that ended him it was not he just literally crumpled he had nothing left this guy that's coming up he's amazing some Aussie yeah, looking to overtake, uh, looking to overtake the featherweight ranks rankings. And um, God, what the fuck else happened? Um, let's see. Ilatifi was defeated by Corey Anderson to wrestlers hard nosed. Um, Carlos Condit got beat by Michael Chiesa. Um, Trying to think if he TKO'd him or submitted him. I honestly, 
I'm drawing blanks, ladies and gentlemen. I am so sorry. My two million cents is going to be cut down to 200,000 cents. <laughs> I have no energy left in this mine. But let me go ahead and get out there and just say, but that's really all that we're missing. Um, other than that, yeah. Not much. But uh, focusing on the episode number two of the Quentin Tarantino saga presented by um, the main segment of iPoke, the Armchair Ladies podcast, Confessions of a Cinephile, 1001 Movies to Watch and or Learn About Before You Perish. Um, episode number two, the second installment, of course, in um, Quentin Tarantino saga of the 1994 <sighs> How do I even label this? The 1994 cluster <laughs> of genres of Quentin Tarantino. It, it was uh, from the U.S., from Band Apart Productions, Jersey Productions, Miramax, Produc Produc <coughs> Miramax Productions. It runs 154 minutes. It's in color. Producer is Lawrence Bender. Uh, the screenplay is done by Tarantino and Roger Avery. Photography was done by Skula. Um, music and com um, composure and whatnot was actually very important and vital. Just so it is in all Tarantino films. It was done by uh, Dick Dale and the Deltones, Cool and the Gang, Al Green, Tornadoes, Ricky Nelson, Dusty Springfield, Centurions, Chuck Berry, Urge Overkill, Maria McKee, uh, The Rebels, Statler Brothers, Lively One. And more. Um, the cast, of course, his golden boy, uh, Tarantino's Tim Roth, uh, Amanda Plummer, Laura Lovelace, John Travolta, a reviving career um, performance that he put in. Samuel Jackson playing a role of Jules that was literally written just for him because he missed out on a role in uh, the 1992 film Reservoir Dogs. Phil Amar, let's see, Frank Whaley, Versteers. The Bruce Willis, Ving Rhames, before he had the meats. <laughs> Paul Caldron, um, Brock Gallagher, Rosanna Arquette, Eric Schultz, Uma Thurman, Oscar winning performances by Tarantino and Avery for the screenplay. Um, for Lawrence uh, Bender for Best Picture, Tarantino for Director, John Travolta for Best Actor. Samuel Jackson for actor and supporting role. Same with Uman Thurman. Um, Sally McKay for the editing. Cannes Film Festival gave the Golden Palm to Quentin Tarantino. Overall, this was just a success and a landmark film. I really hate that uh, there's been so many technical difficulties and hindrances in the recording process, but because I really want to go just a million cents in on this film, film like I've done many times before but I have to mush two different um, movies together I'll just say this this clever and immensely good god entertaining to put as an undersell second feature by Quentin Tarantino after of course Reservoir, Do Reservoir Dogs of 1992 <clears throat> excuse me which we've already discussed in episode one and Jackie Brown which we will definitely be discussing in the future it will not be the clustered episode tonight but it will be coming very soon it is amazing it's a chronologically scrambled collection pulp fiction is of interrelated and interlocking crime stories 
Apart from its ingenuous structure, you know, Pulp Fiction extracts nearly fuck all its kicks from allusions to and echoes of other movies and TV shows. Basically throwbacks. Despite all its, you know, thematic nudges about redemption and second chances, its subliminal or true agenda is the only flip side of the 1994 film uh, with Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump, to make the escapist, media-savvy viewer, the real hero of the story. And it does it in an unorthodox way, in an unorthodox way, to put it, you know, very mildly taken on its own crass terms. Tarantino's mock tough narrative and just ultra violent, you know, overdoing it, if you will, sense of delivery which derives most of its titillation from farcical mayhem and drugs and deadpan macho monologues and foot shots <laughs> if you want to talk fucking Tarantino with his weirdo shit oh I love him to death much respect but gotta make your jokes ladies and gentlemen um <laughs> foot shots evocations of anal, pe- anal penetration terms always of racial abuse which he he does his time pieces and it's definitely taken over board at times but that is Tarantino he gets away with it um, it all resembles just a wet dream for the 14-year-old closet male queens, you know, or if you want to get into it perhaps more accurately, the 14-year-old male, male closet queen in each of us. <laughs> no judgment here. That's all the same. And his command, you know, Tarantino is of this layered or smart elecky, if you want to put it. Mode is so sure and confident that this movie sparkles throughout with canny twists and turns that really do spawn just one of the greatest cinematic adventures of the 90s. And I gotta say, you know, there's even a million fan theories that have birthed due to this. Like, what's in the what's in the briefcase you know is it the take of a robbery that hasn't been talked about is it the soul of Marcelo Garcias oh. or excuse me of Marcellus um, Wallace because you know in the old Chinese philosophy you see earlier in the movie that he has a band-aid on the back of his neck and the old philosophy is that the Chinese take out your soul through the a hole in the back of your head and you know etc or to go even deeper, we all know that Quentin Tarantino now, all of his movies are connected in the same cinematic universe. Could those be the diamonds from the 1992 take of Reservoir Dogs? They were never discovered. Joe never came and got them. Everything happened the way it happened in the movie. And the conclusion left that whole subject unrendered and definitely very ambiguous so it's just a just a theory just a thought um it's gosh it's non-linear storytelling really does just kind of set the tone for everything like uh, at first I remember watching this probably at the age of 14 I'm now 27 I literally was annoyed at it 
I I did not get it, and that's exactly why I didn't understand it. But I did not know the clever and immensely entertaining cinematic masterpiece that was being played in front of my eyes. I I did not take it on its own terms. I did not understand its delivery. Its timing was so offsetting that I was just lost. Lost as Kevin McAllister in New York in the second Home Alone. Like, I was a lost motherfucker. But it's... It's twists and turns, really... It's not so much like an M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist. It's a twin... Excuse me, a Quentin Tarantino twist. And... <laughs> There's a million things, you know, there's a million things that I really am not going to get to cover because I kind of have to rush through this, but well, here's one. Um, Travolta, who's, by the way, like I said, won an Oscar for, you know, Best Actor. Um, he had, since Saturday Night Fever, he, his career, you know, carry a few other small roles. He really was dead in the water. And Tarantino seeked him out for this film. And it's ironic because he was the second choice for his role after Michael Madsen who played Vic Vega in Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs which is funny because yes they are all connected and Vic Vega and Vincent Vega who is John Travolta and Pulp Fiction are brothers indeed and it is talked about and there was originally going to be later in the 90s a Vince, uh, Vega Brothers movie but basically Travolta and Michael Madsen both got too old in the words of Quentin Tarantino Tino. It's nothing more, nothing less. Their age just uh, kind of hindered that production. But John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, the man, Harvey Keitel, all vibrate. I mean, they really just kind of leave you there, just stuck to your seat. Excuse me, stu stuck to your seat. Just completely and utterly, aesthetically, just overdone. I mean, in the best way. They vibrate with high-voltage star power while the rest of the film's cast, you know, which include a young Uma Thurman and Bing Rhames before we had the mates, as I said, a Maria, a Maria de Marios, uh, a young Tim Roth, Amanda Plummer, Eric Schultz, love the guy, Roseanne Arquette, V. Christopher Walken, fucking V. Steve Buscemi, uh, Tarantino himself, you know, he's got to have his little cameo in his own films amplify and fill out the remaining scenery you know like you can watch this movie forward to back back to forward you're gonna find a million different things but i'll tell you one thing only occasionally as in an overloaded <laughs> as in an overloaded and ugly basement episode with with uh let's say some anemic love scenes does tarantino seem to be straining really meaning like going all right come on man you're that's a bit extra. Because, though even here his overall project is evident to evict real life and real people from the art film once and for all and replace them with generic teases, you know, and throwbacks and, you know, just nods and assorted homages infused with hype and attitude building a fuck ambitious and veritable monument to viewers assumed cinema connoisseurship it really it's amazing it goes from mainstream to obscure to a different level of obscure the fucking references range from Doug, Douglas Sirk to uh fucking Howard Hawks 
to Saturday Night Fever, which was, you know, one of Travolta's feature films from 1977, to Kung Fu, by the way of Goddard. One shouldn't expect any of the life experiences of the old movie sources to leak through. Punchy, flamboyant, the surface is all, yet it's nothing at all. It's literally like that photo that you see all over the internet where it shows the iceberg and, you know, looks like so much, but underneath is the real answers. You know, the Mariana Trench of this bitch. I don't know if you'll ever find everything that you need to find in it, but I'll tell you one thing, ladies and gentlemen. Do as I've been doing with the technical difficulties here and improvise, adapt, and overcome. For the times are always changed, just as the topics are always changed here on iPoke, and as your self-proclaimed I armchair elitist, uh, me, myself, Rue, I'd like to say thank you for listening. And the second part to this episode, which will be episode number three of the Quentin Tarantino saga brought to you by the Confessions of a Cinephile, 1001 movies to learn about and or see before you perish, brought to you by iPoke, the armchair elitist podcast. Um, I would just like to say a quick thank you real quick for the patience and putting up with my last my lackadaisical if you will um attitude and just uh sticking with the program because we have a lot to go through we have a lot i haven't even began to scratch the surface of the new format i'm starting to get the miking um hindrances out of the way and down i am obviously a newbie here in podcast land on podbean uh, a great platform which big shout out um but I look forward to giving you a much improved 1% a day type of thing, and I'm going to definitely reach that goal for you. And nothing, no hindrance, no sidestep will get in my way. <clears throat> but overall, i just like to thank you for tuning in to iPoke, the Armchair Leaders podcast, and to all my few viewers out there and all my few followers, I appreciate you more than you know. Um, to just have an expression and to know that people that are like-minded and intelligent and academically astute to multiple ranges of, you know, topics, whether it be cinematic history or cultural arts, health and science, I just thank you for your time, very simply. And, um, yeah, um, stay tuned for, on this very episode. I'm going to switch over and I will get my notes ready and then I'll be right back thanks to Editing Magic. And it will be episode number three of the Quentin Tarantino saga. So to all my beautiful strangers and savages out there alike. Sorry I rushed. But we must (laughs) improvise, adapt, and overcome. So please, stay motivated. Be yourselves. Enjoy and be safe on this New Year's Eve. Enjoy yourselves and be safe, please, most of all. And uh, yeah, stay strange.